Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. Now, I know that not too long ago you redid the payback. And um, were you actually part of that original recording or were of course. Yeah, yes. yeah. So that's that's probably my all-time favorite James Brown album. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you for that because I not only did the the high note on on payback, but I did all of the background on that entire album. It was, you know, Fred Wesley uh was the producer and uh so he chose me to do the background along with a couple of other young ladies but they they didn't work out so um he says, well, I guess I'm going to have to hire some other girls. I said, well, you know, I can do the harmonies. Uh, I can I can do all of the harmonies. And he said, really? You, you, you want to do that? And I said, sure. I mean, why not? You know, you don't have to hire anyone else. You can pay me. <laughs> pay me three monies, you know. To mm -hmm. do <laughs> and so it worked out. It worked out. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. That was um, honor for me. I just, uh, I do these uh, funk radio shows. And uh, when I did, I put that, the, the payback is my number one uh, first choice for, for JB. So yes. there you go. Yeah, um, thank you for that. I, that's, a, that's an honor. I appreciate that. <laughs> and as we talked before we came on air, I was telling you, like when I, you know, came to the James Brown scene, uh, basically it was a little bit later, but I just was captivated, you know, when, I first heard Body Heat and from that era. Um, and, and a little after that was were songs like uh, Spank, I think, and Too Funky in Here. I mean, he was still kicking butt, oh, you know, gosh. in the late 70s, even though a lot of people turned their focus away somewhat at that point, you know, because of disco and other things. But. Exactly, exactly. And that's exactly what happened. It was the disco era. And then, um, you know, the people stopped using uh, live uh, bands and everything, you know, just was all the lights and the, and the, um, the turntable and stuff, you know, so, but um, uh, fortunately, we were able to work overseas uh, during that era, and uh, we did a lot of discotheques, uh, live music at the discotheques in, in the, in the, um, in Europe, and it was great, it was a lot of fun, it was different, uh, you know, different feel and everything uh, because they, I mean, they played the disco music, but uh, doing while well the time that we were on stage, you know, it was all of the lights flashing and everything. So it was really cool. And uh, it was a different, um, a different thing then because uh, we, before the disco era, we played a lot of auditoriums and um, uh, uh large, large places and everything, you know, now uh, during the 70s, it was all about the clubs, you know, playing disco. And so we, that's what we did. We worked a lot of clubs, disco clubs, and it was great. It was fun. And you got a solo album in 79 at the height of disco. And I see it to kind of categorize it as disco now, but to me, I mean, like the title track was really funky, Showdown. <laughs> Yeah, it was, and um, it was it was more so uh, some disco, you know, uh, uh, included in my in my album, and it got lost because uh, by '79 that's when the disco era was going out, and and the funk was coming back in, you know, the live uh, bands and everything. So, yeah, I got a little 
caught up in the middle. <laughs> but it was, I, I still was able to, um, even now I, I do uh, my song Showdown, you know, with a funkier feel, a different feel. And it's, it's fun. It's, it's really fun. Now, you've, I'm guessing you probably recorded a lot of things that maybe I know got released later. Maybe some still haven't gotten released, right? Yes. With Mr. Brown, I did record um, some songs that actually wasn't really released. Um, Georgie Girl. Uh, I did Summertime with Mr. Brown, but that's on one of his albums that was released on one of his albums. And... Um, that was that was about it during that time. I, I didn't record anything else, not until um, the nine actually in the 90s, you know, I started uh, recording on my own. But uh, during, during that time, that was the only thing that I kind of recorded was the uh, album with Sal Soul Records. Um, were you at that show? Uh, where Michael Jackson and Prince were there. Yes. And Beverly, yes, at the Beverly Theater. Yes. <laughs> so what was that experience like for you? That was, that was, that was fantastic. It was great. It was fun. Um, you know, when, when Michael Jackson came on the stage, I get so, I, I'm blushing because I, um, he, he, when he came on stage and he performed with Mr. Brown and then uh, just before Prince came on a stage, he walked back to me where I was standing and he whispered in my ear and told me how much he loved my voice and he loved my singing. And I said, oh, thank you so much. But in my in, inside of me, I was just like, oh my God, Michael Jackson. And he kissed me on my cheek. And I was like, is anybody taking a picture of this? <laughs> I was so thrilled and he, oh my gosh, I was such a big fan of his as well, you know, so it was, um, it was great. And when Prince came on the stage, I had never seen him before. And I was like, who is this tiny little guy? <laughs> who is this tiny little guy? And he came on stage and he, he performed and, um, and then as he walked off the stage, he grabbed this, um, this prop that looked like a, a light and it went tumbling over and thanks to his bodyguard he caught him you know so that was that was uh <laughs> that was quite funny <laughs> it almost seemed like prince didn't quite know what to do you know he was still just coming up yeah. and maybe a little yeah. overwhelmed with i think he was yeah. i think he was and then i met him uh after i left mr brown and joined maceo parker well then i i saw him quite a bit because uh him and Maceo were very good friends and uh, Maceo also performed with them a lot and uh, and uh, in return he would he would come out to some of our shows it, you know we he would be overseas and all of a sudden he's uh, he's here you know Princess is there and and he was there and he would uh, he would come out on the stage on my songs every time I sang whenever I sang whenever I sang he would come out on the stage and he would either play the guitar or the organ on my show, on my song. So wow. I was like really proud of that. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I think my song is the only one that he likes. So he comes out there and perform on my song. <laughs> that was great. But yeah, I met him. Uh, I, I got to know him very well. And uh, he was really, he was really a cool guy. We uh, worked at his club at Paisley, Paisley Park a couple of times and also uh, did an opening for him at um, this large venue in in New Jersey. I can't remember the name of it, but um, we performed with him there. So Wow. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, I mean, Michael and Prince, such uh, disciples of James Brown and, yes. you know, it's reflected in so many ways. Oh, sure. Uh, Michael's performing from a young age and exactly. uh, Prince's uh, uh, band leading and, you know, he also was very similar to James Brown and being so strict with his band yes, and rehearsing yes. him like crazy. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I was told that um, that he watches uh, Mr. Brown's videos constantly. That's what I was told about uh, Prince, you know, so he yeah, he was a big fan of his as well. 
And he, um, Michael Jackson really loved him. Did Prince ever ask you to tell you the James Brown stories? No, no. He, uh, I was, I, you know what, when I first met him, I was kind of afraid of him. I would, <laughs> I would keep my distance from him. I don't know why, uh, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just felt a little strange. So when I would see him approaching me, I would start doing something to, to, to distract him, to make sure that he wouldn't come to talk to me. <laughs> I don't know why, but, um, and then when I finally met him, I, I, I thought he was like Mr. Brown. That's what it was. I thought that he was uh, a little cocky like Mr. Brown. And so I didn't want to deal with that, you know? So I kept my distance. Then when I found out, uh, then when I did finally uh, meet him, introduced to him, he was very, very nice, very kind. Yeah, very soft-spoken. How do you think James Brown felt about them as being disciples of his? And, you know, did he hold well, them in? He, you know? he, yes, he, he, was, he was very proud that they uh, had, you know, that they had chose him and they, that they admired him. He, he really felt good about that. He really did, yeah. And um, he was very, 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 very fond of um, Michael Jackson. So, yeah. Were you uh, on the scene when, when James kind of had that renaissance with uh, Living in America? He had a big comeback. It got thrust back into sort of the public spotlight. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, after he, he came out of... Um, uh, in prison, you know, when he was in prison, after he came out, that's what the big um, pay-per-view was all about, you know, um, him coming out and, and um, getting back into the, to the business. It was, it was quite, um, it was a very, very big moment. And um, everybody showed their love because we had a great audience and the pay-per-view really went over well. And um, yeah, that we did that, and we worked from then on. Everything was great, you know. So <clears throat> he was um, he was happy. He was uh, he he put on a fantastic show at that time, and it was it was great getting back to work. I had um, uh, Lou from Full Force was on the show and talked about doing that comeback album with James Brown in '87. Um, I can't think of the name of that album, but um, but that was fun too. And, was it Gravity? Uh, no, it was after that, '87. Oh, oh yes, I know, I know what you uh, what album you're talking about. No, I can't remember the name of it either. But yeah, yeah, yeah there's some good stuff on it. He actually tried to uh, let a little of the like electronic and hip hop influence mm -hmm. come into what he was doing. Yes, yes, he did. He did. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I, it was choice. He was choosy uh, about who, as far as the hip hop was concerned, you know, he, who he was involved with, you know, he was, he was, um, he was picky about that. Did, did you get a sense that he felt honored that he was providing so much music for rap and hip hop? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, he was, he was very honored to know that, uh, that the hip hop had embraced him and wanted to, you know, was using some of his, um, you know, as a, um, what do you call it? Uh, sampling. Yeah, sampling. And, um, and it was, um, it was, um, it was a moment too, where he was disgusted because of how they were using and with the disrespect of not, you know, um, acknowledging, um, using his music and everything you know so and not acknowledging him so there was a moment there was a time uh that that had to be straightened out you know and it it did yeah and most of most of the um hip-hop uh they of course they they got in touch with them and let them know you know that they they, they admired him so much and they wanted to to use his music, you know, so they were proud and, um, and, and they got in touch with him like they were supposed to. It was cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That album, by the way, was called I'm Real, I think, from 87. Yes, yes it is. Yeah. Yes, it was. I'm Real. Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. um, you uh, participated in that Tales from the Tour Bus. Uh, I, I was um, I wasn't I was um, um, portrayed in in the in that, but uh, it was because of Christian McBride. <laughs> he kind of you know like uh, told the story of of, of of one time you know the time he was out with us and how he how he met Mr. Brown and and how I uh, we we became friends you know and I introduced him to Mr. Brown. <laughs> so that's that's what that was all about, but I wasn't a part of it, no. Was it Not a kick yet. to see yourself animated in that? Yeah, it was it was cool. It was like, wow, look at that. And they <laughs> kind of like, you know, well, they had my blonde hair and everything. So yeah, it was cool. It was it was an honor. <laughs> what was that story pretty accurate though? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yes, he <laughs> told it right. <laughs> Something else. Yeah, it was. It was really funny. What's uh, behind the title of your book? That you know, um, that's um, that's a saying that Mister Brown had, and um, actually, I I wish that I had. Well, it it yeah, it was a saying that Mister Brown had, and and I guess no one really know about that, but except for the people that work with him. You know, uh, but uh, one, you know, I, I'll just say, uh, I remember one time we were on, we were on stage, no, not on stage. Um, we were at a restaurant and Mr. Brown ordered a certain thing. And after he ordered, all of us ordered the same, same thing that he did. And the waiter, the waiter was kind of confused, like, well, why is everybody ordering the same thing? You know, he was just kind of like looking and like, what's going on here? So Mr. Brown was watching them and, and he turned, Mr. Brown turned around to me and said, is that, you see that guy? Look at his face. <laughs> he said, I, just, I don't know, something wrong with him. He's a funny cat, Ms. I. <laughs> you know, so he, that was a saying that he had when he would see something awkward or 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 something that he didn't really agree with or wasn't too cool about it. Uh, funny cat, <laughs> you know. So only 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 people that know him know what that uh, what that was all about. You know, that was a saying that he that he had, and I just. Um, I thought about many things that when he would use that phrase, you know, so I just, uh, that's why I named the book because it was definitely James Brown. <laughs> that's for the insiders right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> what was it like the, the first time you got to appear on TV? Oh, scary, scary, you know, because as you said, Mr. Brown wants everything to be just right. And, you know, he was, um, he drilled us, you know, he drilled us uh, to, to do, you know, exactly right. And it was, it was, um, it was, uh, it was kind of, I was nervous too, because I had never uh, been on a TV, on TV, not until I joined Mr. Brown. Well, I, I did local, I think I did, yeah, I did some local stuff, but it was, it, it was on a different level. You know, it was on a different level and to be on, um, I think that my first appearance with Mr. Brown was on Johnny Carson, was uh, with Johnny Carson and, um, and back in the day, it was Johnny Carson and um, Ed Sullivan, I did a show with him on Ed Sullivan. So it was, a, it was quite experienced then, you know, very nervous and um, and so was he, you know, but I guess maybe once he got on stage, he was just like, it was just a normal thing for him, but it was, um, it was quite exciting too. I did American Bandstand with him and, um, you know, uh, Soul Train and different, different um, shows like that. It was great. It was really great at that time. What was Johnny Carson and Ed Sullivan? Were those live at that time? Yeah, yeah, they were live. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Yes, they were. Mm -hmm. Well, extra pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then we, uh, you know, we've done. Uh, I've done Arsenio Hall. Um, 
David Letterman, uh, Good Morning Show, Good Morning America, um, many, many, many shows I can't even remember, but there were many. There were many, yeah. I wanted to ask you, Martha, out of all of the band members that you worked with, um, especially like back, you know, when you first got part of James Brown's band and with the JBs, who was like a cut up? Who was a clown? Who like cracked everybody up all the time? Was there a person that sort of had that role? Uh, yes. Maceo was the clown at first. When, when I first joined, um, Maceo was the clown. And um, uh, and also country. Country was a guitar player when I first joined. And he was he was a funny cat. <laughs> he was a funny cat and always kept things going and, and 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 people laughing and everything, you know. So yeah, they were funny guys. Were they pranksters also or Maceo was definitely a prankster. He loved, he loved to, especially me, he loved to scare me. To, to hide in some place or, or somewhere uh, and, and, and scare me, you know, when I come off the stage or coming down the hallway or something like that, he hid and he would, he would scare me. And also um, coming off the stage, you know, I, not knowing that he's in the back of me and he toot his horn and I jump and I turn around and he, he'll just be standing there looking at me like, what? You know, so I was like, you just scared me. Why did you do that? And he said, what did I do? I didn't do anything. Yes, you did. <laughs> you know, so yeah, he was a funny guy. And then we had a gentleman on uh, the show with us, uh, uh, Charles Sherrell, which Mr. Brown gave him the name of Sweet Charles. Oh, wow. He was, he was so hilarious and kept people laughing and everything. So yeah, we had... We had pranksters and and uh, and funny guys on the stage, you know, that always kept things going. Mm -hmm. You gotta have that with Ronald those. Laster, Ronald Laster. Um, yeah, I think I think Ronald Laster was the last one, <laughs> last funny guy that kept stuff going all the time. <laughs> You got to have those guys with some levity to break up the intense touring and rehearsing and all that. Right? Yes, 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 yes. And and Fred Wesley was quite a character too. So it was always um, Maceo, Fred Wesley, Sweet Charles, um, and then again, then Ronald Laster and uh, maybe uh, I think Jimmy Moore. So it was it was a different different you know different times, different people, so different years. You know they they were funny. Did they did they fall in line if James Brown would walk in the room or did they kind of keep it going? No, that no, they would fall in line. <laughs> and I don't think anyone would uh, clown around when Mr. Brown would come in. Uh, yeah, they no, everybody just cut it short then. <laughs> <laughs> Martha, I know this will be challenging, but are there one or two shows performances with James Brown? that you can share with us that just really stand out for whatever reason, whether it was just something unexpected happened, the crowd was crazy, um, you performed in front of your family or something, whatever it was, two, two shows that really stand out for you. Well, actually, um, my, the first one that really stand out for me is when we played Madison Square Garden. And uh, Mr. Brown uh, had had a pedestal built uh, that when I got on that pedestal, I was just like, I felt like I was the um, Statue of Liberty because I was overtowering everyone. It was the most exciting time for me. I, because um, that's when the big pay, when the big payback came out. And so he had me standing on that pedestal and the first voice you would hear when the music started playing was me, you know, doing the high note. I felt, I felt 10 feet tall. And for him to, to put me out there like that, I was just like, wow. You know, I, my voice, <laughs> and it rang through 
the Madison Square Garden, it was just like, it was just big, you know, <coughs> excuse me. And that was, uh, that was the time of my life. I will never forget that time. And I, I just kind of asked him, why did he do that? You know, and he said, Miss, I wanted everybody to know. I wanted everybody to, to know that that was you. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't any keyboards or it wasn't uh, a horn or anything that's making that high note. I wanted people to know that it was you. And that just really made me feel good. And I was very proud. That was one of my favorite times. And then the second time um, when I had to sing um, solo again, because Vicki Anderson uh, sprung her ankle at a show in, in um, London at the um, Hammersmith Odeon. And I had to go out to perform in her place and I wasn't ready. And um, Mr. Brown called me to his room and said, this is how you gotta go on stage, you gotta sing. And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> no, I can't do that because I'm not prepared. And I, you know, he said, you know the song. And I said, well, yeah, I know one of the songs, but I, no, I can't do it. This is how you go out there and <laughs> you perform that song. It's now or never. And I was like, oh my God. I was really, really nervous. And um, of course I knew respect, but I, I was used to doing the background. So I had to go out on the Hammersmith Odeon, Odeon stage and perform in front of all of these people. You know, it wasn't in the States, it was in London, England. And I was like, oh, I can't do this. I, I'm not, I'm not. And uh, Maceo approached me before I went on stage. He said, don't think about it, just do it. Just, just go out there and do it. You know, you can do it. And I took a deep breath. I walked out on stage. I grabbed the mic and I started singing. And after I finished and walked off the stage, I got a standing ovation. I was like, oh my gosh, they, they liked me. <laughs> And I went back out and took a bow, and it was that was um, the two times that I will never forget. <laughs> wow, those are great! Thank you for sharing those. Yeah. yeah. Who, whose idea was it to do that high part at the beginning of payback? Fred, Fred Wesley. Mm -hmm. yeah. Might have known. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But he 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 didn't think that I could do it. He said, "You think you can hit this note?" I said. Well, I don't know. I said, I, I never really sang this high, but I could try. And uh, when he told me, uh, you know, how I'd go and everything, I said, okay, uh, I'll try it. And uh, the first time I hit it and he's like, Miss oh, High, you can sing that high. And I said, yeah, well, that's my name, Martha High. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. You already yeah. have the name at that point, right? Yes. Yeah. So you fulfilled the prophecy with that. I did. I did. <laughs> so, and I'm imagining you still had butterflies probably later when you went out on your own after James Brown and became a front woman, you know, yes. responsible yes. for your own shows. Yeah. Well, thank God that before I left Mr. Brown, I, that's when I did a tour with Bobby Bird uh, during that time. I was still with Mr. Brown and I, and we had some time off and, uh, Fortunately, I was able to do that uh, tour with them overseas, and I um, I did solo uh, then, and that that um, that kind of helped me to know uh, that yes, okay, I would like to to try you know to do my own thing to become a soloist, and um, I, I I didn't think uh, that I would. I don't know, at one time, I didn't think I was going to leave Mr. Brown, you know, I thought I was always going to be there with him. And I mean, because that's what he had said, you know, I'm not going to put you out on the road. I'm going to, you stay with me. You want to just be with me all the time. And I was like, oh, God, <laughs> I wanted to try my own thing. But um, I, during the time that I was with him, I was writing my songs. I was writing different songs. And um, 
I did record um, a couple, I did a de demo of a couple of songs that I had written. And, you know, just uh, kind of looking into the future, hopefully, you know, will I, will I try to do something on my own? And after leaving um, Mr. Brown and joining uh, uh, Maceo, well, for a while I didn't, I didn't do, I wasn't, uh, he didn't put me out front, but I eventually, you know, I started doing uh, solo with him. Then uh, through the years working with him, I really, really got to feel that I wanted to be a solo artist. I wanted to do my own thing. So I started preparing myself uh, to, to do my own thing. And um, I eventually found a, a manager and a booking agency. And it started from there. You know, it started from there. I was working in, in Europe. And... Um, I was nervous at first when I first went out on the stage, but I always remember what I had learned uh, being with Mr. Brown, you know, how to entertain, because I watched him for 30 some years. And then of course with Maceo, you know, so I felt that I was uh, ready. I was ready to, to start my own career. It was late, but I started it. And um, I'm glad I did, because I'm still working and still performing, still recording. So it's a blessing. <laughs> wow that's yeah. uh some serious seasoning you got before you actually went out <laughs> yes, on your own yes indeed indeed <laughs> you know um i i have this song called the hottest working woman in uh the hottest working woman in town and um a friend of mine wrote that for me and he said yeah you know i i want to do this because uh you, you work just as hard as James Brown. I said, really, you think so? He said, yes, I know so. He said, I've watched you perform. So that was, um, I was like, okay, okay. You know, and, and when he wrote the song, I really, I really liked um, the words and, and uh, how it felt, you know, sort of like a, a, a funky blues and everything, you know, so it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think that uh, Europe and I guess to some extent places like Japan and so forth, have been more welcoming and seemingly more interested in supporting, you know, funk music uh, since probably the eighties or nineties, you know, um, why is that? Why has America not been, you know, as supportive? Well, I think, hmm. and they, and, and you're, you're absolutely right. You know, they are, uh, the other countries are very, very supportive uh, to the point where they, even told me things about myself that I had forgotten or that I didn't even remember, you know, they, they're very into, because I, I think they like that, that um, era of music and they, they don't forget it. They haven't forgotten it. When as here in the States, you know, I talked to some young kids and everything. They don't know who James Brown is. And that's amazing because, and then that makes me feel like, they don't really, uh, they don't really grasp and hold on to the history of our music and how it was, how it become and where it came from. You know, some of them go back as far as like the eighties and that's it. You know, they don't really know anything about uh, who James Brown was or even who George Clinton and the Funkadelics are. Some of them, you know, and that's, I think that's really, that's, I don't know. That's terrible. It's sad. <laughs> yeah, it's sad because I think that anyone that's into the music business should know exact, you know, where it come from and where it started, at least, you know. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's I you know, that. that's part of why I'm here doing this. You know, got to yes, keep people yes. educated. Got to honor the great artists that have, exactly. you know, given us so much beautiful music and been yes. and innovated. Yes. Also, you know. Yes, um, absolutely. I mean, yes. thank goodness that. They are so embracing of it overseas, but yes. yeah, we could definitely use a little more of that stateside. Yes, we we can. Yes, we could we could use a lot more. You know, um, that's uh, where a lot of my tours take place in different uh, other countries, in Europe and, and Japan, um, South America. You know, different places, other places, other countries. Yeah. Well, and um, you have a lot of, thankfully, uh, clips on YouTube that viewers, I encourage 
them to go uh, check out because, you know, some really hot performances have been caught, thankfully, of yes. you. Uh, one that I really liked Thank that you. I caught um, this past week was Mama Feel Good in Paris from 2011. Oh, yes. That um, was just fire, you know? Oh, yes, it was. It was. It was like, wow, you know, and, and I had Bruno Spade on that stage with me. So that was um, that was a plus. That was really great. <laughs> and I think it's like 10 or 11 minutes. I mean, you guys really. Yeah, well, you know, it. that's not, that's one of the things that I think that a lot of um, of the James Brown's um, uh, protégés. Uh, learned and still do uh, when they would perform. We we don't know how to come off the stage. <laughs> it's not that we don't want to, but it's the music and the feeling and the the joy we get out of performing. And, uh, and you know, if you have a, a great band behind you and and you have a great audience, you know, you just want to give them all you got. And so that's what happens. <laughs> Well, I love that. You know, the two things I'm a big fan of are, you know, when you do it live, don't go too fast, especially if it's funk, because you'll start to lose that funk groove if you go too fast. That's right. And stretch it out, you know, mm -hmm. stretch it out. Yeah, yeah you know, I, um, I've, I've said to some of my um, uh, colleagues, my uh, musicians that I've worked with in the past and around the country and everything, you know, uh, fast is not funky. <laughs> you, you, you know, don't, don't play too fast because that's not, you, you're going to lose the feeling and everything, you know, you got to keep it funky. So take your time, let's groove this, let's do this, you know, and, and, and I think that's when you can just like stay on the stage forever because it feels good and it's the right, it's the right feeling and the move and everything. And so you can keep on going, you know, <laughs> that's what, that's what's happened. I, I have uh, found myself on stage and I can see in the, um, uh, in the wings, I can see my manager going, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> You know, like, okay, you've been on too long. Come on, come on, come on off the stage. <laughs> but it's fun. It's fun did, and I love it. I enjoy it. Did, did uh, James Brown ever explain the one to you? Like uh, Bootsy always talks about how he explained the one to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, not necessarily to me, but uh, I've heard him, uh, you know, speak with the band and, 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 and tell them how important it is to stay on the one, you know, yeah, because um, that's where the the uh, the the drive of the one, you know, when you when you push that one, it it just changes everything. It changes the feeling. I've I've had um, uh, some musicians, uh, especially um, you know overseas, to not think about that and not you know, but but then I have to let them know, no, 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 no. You got to stay on the one. You got to go to the one, you know, and it, it's, it, it just changes things. It makes everything different, you know, and then that's where that's where the funk is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. It um, works. Yeah. <laughs> and it just fits everything because, I mean, you know, you want everything to be one and we're all want to unify as one and yes. music is one and it's yeah. just be a beautiful thing, you know. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So the new record, um, it's been out a few months, and uh, what what can you tell us about this one that uh, people should really pay attention to? You know, um, all of my albums, except my first album uh, album in '79, and then um, my first solo album that I was involved with uh, the writings as well. Um, it's high time. Uh, was recorded here. Those two albums were recorded here. And all of the rest of my albums are, were all recorded all overseas with musicians, with the, you know, of course, they're musicians and everything. And I'm very proud of them, very proud of them, especially um, Japanese bands playing funk and French band and Italian band. And they did a very, very, very good job, you know. I, I don't have nothing against them. And, you know, I loved it, what they did and, and what we came out with, you know. But this was my chance of recording in the States. 
with a, a producer that was just amazing. And uh, I met him. He's, he's been a friend of mine on Facebook for many years. I met him uh, years ago. And um, we had been in contact, but I hadn't talked to him in a long time. But anyway, he decided to send me his album. When he sent me his album, I listened to it and I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I can hear what I want out of his music, out of his writing. So I need to talk to him. We need to get together and I want to record an album here in the States. So uh, we did, I, I, I got in touch with him to let him know that I was interested. I loved this music and, um, you know, wanted to know if he would, uh, how would he feel about working with me? And he said, okay, yeah, sure. You know, I asked him, uh, asked, it's a, it was a song that, that I really, really enjoyed and loved doing the, I think it was in the 80s, uh, one of Rose Royce song. Yeah, Love Don't Live Here Anymore. Yes, I love that. Always loved it. I sang it while I was with Mr. Brown, you know, sang it on the show. And I just wanted to do it over again, you know? So I asked him, could he give me a, a, a new arrangement on that? And he said, sure, I would love to. His name is Michael Edel. So he, um, I'm, I'm telling you, he blowed me away when he sent me uh, the, what he had put on, on, you know, a demo. I was just thrilled. And I said, you know, we got to work together. And uh, can you try this song? <laughs> And I gave him a couple of songs that I had uh, had had written in the past. Uh, I always wanted to do the songs, and uh, and so now I have the chance, you know. And he said, "Sure, let's get together." And we did, and end up coming up with an album. I'm so thrilled because I feel like um, my the sound that I have that we have is actually uh, the sound of. America. <laughs> it has the American feel to it. Uh, it's different. It's different than all of my other albums. Um, and we very carefully uh, chose the songs that we that I'm singing. Uh, and it was uh, some of them was a challenge to me because I think it's a big difference in what I was singing, the songs that I sang on my other albums overseas. This was a, a totally different feeling to me, you know, and I wanted I want my album to be heard here in the States um, because I'm back home now, you know, because I've lived in France for six years and I lived in Spain for three. And um, and and my music went went very well, was very it did very well overseas, you know, but I wanted I wanted to feel um the American feel, <laughs> and I and I felt that Michael gave it to me. You know, he he gave it to me. He gave me exactly what I wanted to 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 hear and what I wanted to do. And we came up, um, and and the song that we uh, released first was "Got My Senses." I got I've got my senses back, and I and I I'm so in love with it. <laughs> I'm in love with all of my songs, but that one I am very much. <laughs> That's definitely one of my favorites too. You know, I'm a I'm a I'm a funk guy, so you got a, you know, a mix of different different tempos and different styles. Yes. yes. Um, but so for me, of course, I'm immediately going to go to that one and yes. uh, itching for some bitching, uh, <laughs> break that chain. Uh huh. Yes. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and that remake, you know, left only live here anymore because I was a big fan of that original song too. You know. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so, uh, and you got two mixes of Break That Chain, so. Yes, I sure do. Uh-huh, long version and uh, short. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, so congratulations yeah. on the record. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so very proud of it, and, and, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm very, very pleased uh, with Michael Edel working with me. We had a great time together, and you hear more from us. You hear more from us. And in, in the meantime, I've got my senses back, so we're doing it. 
I'm sure it was really hard for a performer like you to stand on the uh, sidelines during some of the pandemic, right? Yeah. Oh, gosh. You know, I, I don't think I'm any different from anyone uh, that, I mean, we all went through this and it was just a, just a, something that I, I just never, ever imagined could happen. You know, it was just amazing. And to get through it, it was very, very, very difficult uh, because I never, never been off of the road and in a, in a situation like this where I, I just felt at one time that, um, that everything was going to end or it just wasn't going to happen anymore. But then I had to get my senses back. You know, I had to regroup. I had to actually sit down and said, okay, what's going on? And I, I have a lot of, I have a lot of faith. I have a lot of faith. And I had to, I had to remember that um, this is not something that I could deal with on my own, that um, I had to go and, and use my faith. I had to remember that um, God is 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 in control, and that he <clears throat> that helped me, that helped me tremendously, and where I said, okay, uh, no more thinking uh, crazy, but I'm gonna just start continuing to do what I've always been doing, you know. So I I got I got my senses back, and I been moving ever since i'm not gonna let this um let this stop me yeah recalibrate move forward yes absolutely. start it start anew you know yes yes i have a tour coming up and um i'm very very excited about it <clears throat> i had uh, a tour last july which um that was um a confirmation of my believing in myself and controlling uh, um, my thoughts and saying, I can do this and it's gonna happen again and holding on to my faith. And that tour happened and it was good. <laughs> it was are, good. are you gonna do some uh, dates in America or? Well, you know, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that um, that um, I can continue to work in the States. As I said, I performed at the Bethesda uh, Jazz Supper Club. I hope that I can continue to perform in the States. I would love to. Well, we definitely want that. And uh, yes, yes, I hope so. <laughs> how can uh, people uh, get the record? Well, they can uh, go to my uh, Facebook page as, um, uh, and it's, it's posted there of how you can uh, go to my, um, uh, my um, Martha High here and now here now uh, you can go to that uh, link and and purchase the record there. Plus, it's on Spotify, um, iTunes, uh, Pandora, uh, uh, Apple. It's just on all of the uh, medias that you can uh, you know you can buy it there. So. I'm out there. You just have to go and choose whichever link that you want to pull up. The usual platform suspects. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Any hard copies? Um, there's going to be a few. Yes, uh, it's going to be a limited amount. Yes. Uh -huh. And um, I'm taking them overseas with me uh, that, you know, they're really, really into vinyl over there. And then I have a few friends here that told me that they wanted uh, vinyl. So yeah, they'll be out very soon. Uh, well, that'll be a good collectible right there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. And can they see where you're touring also at that link or a different? Yes, it's on my, it's on my um, artist page, Martha High, the Goddess of Soul. So you can go there and uh, all of my dates and uh, performances, you know, I have videos and uh, uh, great photos and uh, interviews, all of it is there. And you can, like I said, you can find the link where you can, um, the link is there, Martha High, here, now. Uh, Dot com. You know, you can go there and purchase the album there as well.
So it's all there on my page, Martha High, the Goddess of Soul. Great. Yeah, Thanks. we'll look for that and we'll continue to look forward to new music and performances. And thank you. thank you so much for all the music you've given to all of us over the years. And uh, thanks for keeping the funk alive. Well, thank you for that. And I, um, I that's a part of me, you know, uh, since the 60s, uh, that's, that's my era of music. And I don't think that I could perform without uh, adding a little funk to it. <laughs> yeah, so thank you for that. And I'm, I'm very happy to still be a part of it and to be... Um, uh, I thank all of my my uh, fans and everyone that purchases my music, listen to my music. I I am so grateful and so honored that uh, they take the time to listen to it and and buy my albums and everything. I'm very very appreciative. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for spending this time with us and take good care of yourself. I will, and it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkandstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkandstuff.net, and linking through funkandstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results-oriented, professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the Media Services section at FunkinStuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at ScottG at FunkinStuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on keep vibing on to the rhythm of the one.